Well, we welcome you to this week's edition of View from the Press Box as Brad Hallier and myself, Scott Hogan, will take a look at high school football playoffs, college football, and college basketball this week as we look around at all sports here in central Kansas. Well, Brad, we're going to kind of start with the sports in order that they're going to happen on Ad Astra and then of course, we'll cover the Chiefs and stuff as well, but uh, I've got basketball this week as it is November and it is time for Sterling Warrior Basketball on Wednesday night on 95.9 HKFM. Going to be a men's game only, unfortunately, as uh, conference play opens Tabor at Sterling. The Tabor women, unfortunately, are in quarantine right now and so unfortunate. I was so looking forward to two of Legendary head coach Lonnie Cruz's protégés coaching against one another in the grand opening of the new Gleason Center. We're still going to get the men's game, so we'll have to wait on the women's game, uh, which is kind of an intriguing men's game. And I didn't think I'd be saying this because these are two of the teams that battled for last place last year in the conference. Tabor off to an interesting 2-0 start. They went up into Nebraska and beat a couple of pretty good basketball teams Concordia 72-69 and Hastings, who's always tough, 94-90. So they're 2-0. And the Sterling men, after an opening uh, mid-October loss to Doan, went up to Mid-American Nazarene in a classic and beat Kansas Christian 101-79 last weekend on Friday and then followed it up with a marathon or 115-110 over Bible Baptist. So Sterling... I know those aren't what you would call huge marquee wins, Brad, but for a men's team that, I mean, really struggled last year, it's almost a completely new team. Uh, A win's a win right now, and this turns into a very interesting matchup for um, the opener in the conference. I tell you, it just feels good to be talking college basketball, really any basketball right now. And uh, it's great that, you know, we're going to get to see some, uh, you know, KCAC ball. I mean, I just – you, you were out, uh, actually on your way to the national tournament last year, weren't you? When you got essentially a call set, hey, come on home. It's been called off. So it's uh, I, I'm just excited for college basketball or, or really any form of basketball. I mean, this is Kansas. It's a basketball state. And, boy, I'm looking forward to any kind of, of basketball. You had to pull the scab off of that wound, didn't you? They're on the <laughs> – yeah, 10 minutes from Sioux City, Iowa last year when the that tournament was called off. But, uh, yeah, the Sterling men, some – a uh, nice core returning. I tell you, we saw Kenan Conley and Lucas Breyer. Of course, those are Sterling High School products. Take a huge step forward in their development as sophomores last year. They return as juniors. They've been right amongst the leading scorers, along with Jemiah Haynes, or excuse me, Jemiah Hayes, which who's along for his senior year um, for the Sterling Warriors this year. He's playing really well. So um, a lot of new pieces. We'll see how that works out against Tabor. On Wednesday night, well, since I didn't get to do the women on Wednesday night, they're sending me out to Barclay out in Haviland, Kansas, on <laughs> Thursday night, 95-9. That'll be 6 o'clock. Uh, the men the night before are going to be a 7 o'clock tip. So the Sterling women at 1-0 and are going to play Barclay College. Barclay plays in the, uh, the Christian NCCAA, uh, Barclay their one game right now was a 107-83 loss at McPherson. Sterling picked up a nice win on Halloween at Benedictine, 60-55. to uh, The Sterling team, they were in quarantine not long ago. They're still looking to get in a rhythm. 
they're probably not going to play their starters a lot, Brad, because the next morning they're going to go up to Iowa, and boy, do they got a couple of brutal games. They're going to play Northwest Iowa and number seven in the country, Dort, on Friday and Saturday. So probably see the starters a little bit, and then we're going to see a lot of the younger kids get to play at Barclay. So I'm, I'm excited to see this is a veteran team. And uh, this is their year, I think. If they're going to capture a conference title and then the divisions combined this year, there's only one division um, in NAI. This, this is the year for the Sterling women to make a run. you got to be happy because uh, for, for the Sterling women because, you know, after, after the unfortunate passing of Lonnie, it kind of seemed like that. The, the program was just kind of – I don't know what the right word is. It, was, it just seemed like it was there. That the, It just seemed like almost, uh, you know – rudderless or whatever but that that they've come back well it's a great program and you definitely love to see the, the this this well respected program of sterling college women's basketball come back like this and it will be interesting to see how they how they play you know the the, the is it three games in a row then three games in three days yeah that's why i expect we'll see very very right. little of the starters on thursday and then in the game i'll have yeah, and especially when you have to travel like that, uh, like uh, they're going to have to do. So uh, it will be interesting to see how the players, you know, the rotation happens and and all that. But, yeah, especially when you got the caliber of competition that they're going to see up in Iowa. So it will be interesting, but uh, it, it, it's really good to see how, how well Sterling College women's basketball has bounced back. And with such local talent, you know, Kyla Comley from Sterling High School, back-to-back player of the year in the conference. This is her senior year. You have the, the Banger twins from Kingman. They're juniors. I know one of your faves, Emily Hendrickson, out of Haven yeah. High School. She's a junior this year. Taya Wilson from Sterling High School, um, junior this year. So it's a lot of fun. Kids we saw play so much ball in high school doing so well, not just locally, but, you know, they've, they've made headlines on the national level as well. So, it, it like you said, it, it – it may be not quite back to that level of some of Lonnie Cruz's teams, but you kind of see a little bit of that with this group. Yeah, I love seeing the Kansas connections. I've said for years that, you know, team Kansas colleges will ignore Kansas high school players at their own peril. When I look <laughs> at even what Hutchinson Community College has done through the years, I mean, some of their very best teams that made it to the national tournament and played for the national championship were dominated by Kansas kids. Uh, there was one year they started, I know, at least three Kansas kids. And, and that's not just in women's basketball. That's across the board. I mean, the men's basketball team that won the national championship in 2017, uh, their starting backcourt was all Kansas, you know, Derby and Wichita. So it's great to see Sterling winning with, with Kansas kids because the talent is there, and, and they certainly are proving that. So, again, that'll be Thursday night at 6 o'clock, Sterling women at Barclay. Well, let's move into our Ad Astra schedule on Friday night as week two of the playoffs. Boy, if they, they can measure up to some of those games we had on last Friday night, it's going to be a great week. Let's start with 94-7, and it'll be number nine, 6-1 Central Plains at 7-2 and two Caldwell. And, Brad, we'll have to eat a little crow on this one. Uh, <laughs> we thought Peabody Burns might give Central Plains a little tussle. And, whew, 50 to nothing, that game – I, I keep trying to remember. I think it was over by halftime. If not, it was early in the third quarter. Caldwell beat Wilson 68-220, and it seems like maybe this isn't quite the Central Plain teams of old, but they are getting hot at the right time, and I look for them to 
um, role, even though it's at Caldwell, I, I certainly like Central Plains to advance. Yeah, they're just playing really good football right now. I mean, they're only lost this season, actually. It was kind of an interesting start to the season because they didn't play their first two games, and then they got a couple games in before, before losing their only game to Victoria, but there's certainly no shame in that. And when you look at what they did to Peabody Burns, I mean, just, just annihilated them 50 to nothing. Well, don't forget that same Peabody Burns team beat Caldwell, beat Caldwell. <laughs> 38 to 18. So I don't see how, but based on that and based on how well Central Plains is playing right now, how you can say anything besides Central Plains wins this one and maybe wins it going away. So Central Plains, Caldwell on 94-7, 95-9, Bueller, who is now 5-3. and three. They're going to travel to number 10-ranked Rose Hill. The Rockets are 6-3. and three. Bueller, for second straight week, pounded circle 47 to nothing. Rose Hill defeated Mulvane 30-13. to 13. And I think you... You certainly like the way, not just the way Bueller rolled over circle two weeks straight, but the way they dominated them, especially with their defense. Yeah, uh, Bueller not only shut circle out last week, but they held them to a school record minus six yards of offense. Plus, they had to pick six for a touchdown. So I'm not sure you can possibly play a better defensive game. And I know the, the caliber of competition wasn't a Rose Hill or a McPherson or Andover Central, but so what? I mean, you do that against anybody. I don't care who you're playing. You're playing some pretty good ball right there. And what their defense is good, they're going to get a, a pretty tough challenge this week in Rose Hill, who has scored at least 31 points in each of their last, let's see, seven games. Six of them have been wins. They put up 31 against Collegiate in an overtime game, but they scored 28, 28, 46, 48, 59, 30 points in their last uh, six games, all wins. So Bueller's defense is going to be tested this week, and I think that's what the big matchup is going to be. You know, can this Bueller defense get Rose Hill off the field? Because – Bueller's offense has been hit and miss this year. I don't think you, I don't think you can rely on them scoring 28 points this week. So if Bueller can keep that score in the teens or 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 like something like that, I think they got a good chance of winning this one. Yeah, Rose Hill started with losses to Andale, Clearwater, and Wichita Collegian, who, by the way, all advanced in their respective playoffs last week. Um, so six straight wins for Rose Hill. It'll be interesting. I, I like Bueller. You got to like a team if they run the ball so well like Bueller does, if they can control their opponent with their defense, that gives you the chance to make it a limited possession game, especially when you're on the road, pound the ball at them. That, then you can work in the play action. So I think that gives Bueller a, a, a better than average chance to advance on to next week. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun because I think that this Bueller team they they really bounced back well from those loss from the from the loss to uh, Wellington and that was kind of a perplexing loss not just that they lost but just the way that they lost and if they can get by Rose Hill then you get that really tasty matchup with McPherson which was an eighteen to six game but a game that was twelve six well into the fourth quarter and uh, boy I tell you what four uh, A West is wide open Scott and I think in that when it when it comes to being that wide open. I think you have to include Beeler as a team that could very possibly make a run. Yeah, they, like you said, when you have athletes and a running game and a defense like that, that especially if the weather would turn cold, um, that's a recipe for uh, making a deep push. And we'll see how Beeler does on 95.9 this week at Rose Hill. Maybe one of our most intriguing matchups this week is on. KNZS 100.3, 7-2 Haven at 8-1 Trinity. 
Trinity ranked number seven. Haven, you had this game, Brad. We had it as a pick'em game at halftime. That's what it looked like. And then Haven dominated Kingman in the second half, winning 42-21. to Trinity for the second time this year, 35-0. They beat Chaparral. Um, boy, just like Haven's game last week, they went to Kingman and won. This one looks like another pick'em game. You know, Haven won the district matchup against Trinity. 20 to 18 they had the early lead lost it and then won it at the end and I don't put anything past this Haven team because they they certainly believe now that they can win in advance first time in 44 years but sometimes when you finally get over that hump that gives you even more confidence and Trinity's playing with a lot of confidence um, after rebounding from that loss and again this one I don't know how to pick this one Haven's got some impressive size on both sides of the line. That's what really impressed me, uh, how they just kind of wore down Kingman and just overpowered them with some of their size. And some of that size, I mean, it's, it's athletic, too. I and mean, they're just not a bunch of big boys up there taking space. They, they can just get to the quarterback defensively, too, and open up some gaping holes on offense. The one concern I do have, and, again, I haven't seen Haven except for that one game, was – Kingman's special teams had four long returns, uh, whether it was punts or kickoffs, including a punt return for a touchdown. Trinity is very good special teams. They got some game breakers on special teams. And so I'll be very curious how Haven handles that. You know, do they kick off? Do they do they just and and risk, uh, you know, a long return or do they you know play field position and just kind of pooch it up in the air or squib it along the ground and give up some field position? I don't know. Uh, I was in the press box actually with a couple of the Haven assistants. And after the punt return for a touchdown, one of them said, no more of that. So, <laughs> and I think he meant we're not, we're not kicking off or punting to them anymore. So, uh, but it's, it's going to be essentially, you know, Haven's size against Trinity's athleticism. Not that Haven doesn't have any athletes. Darby Roper is one of the best ones out there with the quarterback. But if, if Trinity can find a way to get that offense going, especially on special teams, if they can maybe find a special teams touchdown in there, uh, there's really nothing to, to say that it won't be a surprise. Whoever wins this game, it's not going to be a surprise. It's, it's a toss-up game in every sense of the word. Yeah, I'm, I'm one of those guys that I hate giving up field position by, you know, the squib kick and or the pooch kick or whatever you want to call it or, or punting it out of bounds away from a return guy. But you just have to weigh it, you know. If, if you start getting burned that way, like you said, that, that happened in that, game against Kingman that could have been disastrous for Haven they they overcame it then but can you do that two straight weeks so that that will be very interesting to see how they handle um, special teams against Trinity but boy, I, right now I don't I don't put anything past the Haven Wildcats I was actually in Haven the Saturday morning um, our pastor and his wife we were over there for breakfast and of course they were at the game and just that whole town is so excited about Wildcat football right now they're normally um, got the basketballs out by this time of the of the year in Haven, and 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 they're looking at a real good chance to advance again. So that excitement and that confidence, that I think they can they can do about anything. I wouldn't put it past anything that, uh, what this Haven team can accomplish. And the one thing that, and I said this on the broadcast on Friday, the one thing Haven has always had is athletes. Whether that's you know they they. We've seen them in basketball. They've always been good at basketball. They've they've had some great track athletes who have played football also. The athletes have always been there. And now it's just kind of meshing that these athletes can also play some football also. So I I certainly don't put it past Haven to accomplish anything. And I certainly don't put it past Trinity. You know, their defense has posted, I think, four shutouts this year. So 
this this is a great matchup, and it's going to be boy, I tell you, it's going to be a lot of fun out there on Friday night. Well, we're going to stay in Class Two A. Our kicks one hundred six game this week, six and three Hillsborough at eight and one, number six ranked Garden Plain. Hillsborough took care of Bell Plain forty seven to twelve. Garden Plain. 52 to 6 victory over Marion. We had Garden playing the one on their schedule that was that lopsided loss to Cheney. But other than that, Garden Plain has just dominated teams with their defense. And then to complement that, they've got that power running attack with good athletes in the backfield. You know, they, they had that one point win the open of the year versus Conway Springs, and, and the rest of the time, other than the Sterling and Cheney games, I'm, I'm looking, and Kingman, their other wins, they've put 34, 37, 55, 57, and 52 points up there, so their their offense is capable of doing that. Um, Hillsborough is kind of the opposite on offense, where Garden Plain will pound it at you. Hillsborough, a little more finesse, they'll spread it out, go four wide, shotgun, so it's an interesting contrast in styles, but um, I like Garden playing for the fact of that defense is so good. I think they'll keep their offense on the field an awful lot. Yeah, I agree. The one thing I will say about what this Hillsborough team for first of all, let's give credit to that district. You know, <laughs> it included it included Trinity and Haven, and they all finished in a three way tie for first. And after they sorted out the tiebreakers, Trinity got first, Hillsborough second, Haven third. All three of them won their first round playoff game, and all three of them won comfortably. So that's a tough district. And let's not forget, Hillsborough put a whooping on Haven, twenty-six to six. So this this is a this is a very good. It's been a little bit of an interesting ride with the loss to Smoky Valley and the lot in the just getting blasted by Trinity, but this is still a very good Hillsborough team. But I, I just can't go past, you know, Garden playing playing at home with the way that they've been playing and their ground game, which we know is so important come playoff time. Yeah, that's that's the reason that I, I like Garden playing. We know Hillsboro's scrappy; they'll be in this game, but I think that that Al defense may be a little bit too much here on Friday night. Well, let's go to our stream games and a couple of more very interesting games. The one I have, number five ranked seven and two Little River. They are at seven and one. Number four Clifton Clyde. It's a rematch of a 42-36 to 36 Clifton Clyde victory. It was in overtime back in week two over Little River. This past, uh, actually, uh, Friday night for Little River and Clifton Clyde played last Thursday. Clifton Clyde 46 nothing over Bennington, and I had that Little River-Washington County game, Brad, 56 to nothing. There were two plays that entire game, which, of course, ended at halftime, that were ran in Little River territory. <laughs> and that was both by the Redskins. One first down for Washington County in that game. And I'm trying, I should have had my stat sheet here. The the total offense, I'm trying to remember, they did finally get into positive numbers. They had no passing yards. And I think their rushing numbers were something like a 16 yards or something. Uh, it was just complete dominance. You know, uh, Stevens, um, Graham Stevens and Jaden Garrison, they just did what they always do. Uh, in that game and 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 dominated that game um and this rematch against clifton clyde they're i don't want to say they're exact mirror images but looking at the stats i got today they got a couple of kids named aiden rudolph and jet scockney i gotta check on that pronunciation um both play quarterback both of their leading rushers who does that remind you of uh, playing (laughs) of course um 
So this is a extremely intriguing matchup that I, that I've got here on Friday night. It evenly matched, and there's no reason to think that when we get into the fourth quarter, this isn't a single score game, just like it was back in week two. Well, I can't remember what I had for breakfast, let alone two months ago, but I seem to think that Clifton Clyde, when when they beat Little River in overtime, forty-two to thirty-six. That they that Clifton Clyde I think scored a touchdown on the last play of the game or maybe the second to last play of the game you know in the last couple seconds to send that game to overtime so Little River had that game I think won and then Clifton Clyde ended up pulling it out in overtime but you know what you know what the most impressive performance to me this year that says more about Little River than anything else was the fact that they played with Canton Galvin for four quarters and only lost that game by eighteen. To me, that shows us everything that we need to know about how good this Little River team is. I think this game, once again, goes down to the very end. And I don't think how you can say one team is favored over the other. But I, th- I really like – but here's what I will say is that the winner of this game, I think, will be playing Canton Galva here in a couple weeks. Yeah, definitely. Whoever in the wins, semifinals. Yeah, whoever wins this, I think, can win next week. I've got that somewhere. They would play the winner of 7-2 and two Chase County at 9-0 and oh Sedan. And I already looked, Brad, um, after the second round, uh, you would go uh, – Little River would be at home if I, regardless of who won that game because they go first by the how many games have you hosted. Well, Little River would have been on the road once. Sedan would have been at home twice. So if Sedan would win, they would come to Little River. If Chase County would win, they both had been at home once, road once, East would travel west, so again, the game would be in Little River, so um, that's another reason why I would certainly think Little River getting another home game, if they would win this one, could advance and play Canton Galva. And boy, I tell you, what, what, what a fun time that would be, but this this one's going to be fun anyway, I mean, oh. you know, just because we... Just because we didn't see it earlier this year, I mean, it went to overtime. I mean, you're you're gonna have a lot of fun up there, Scott. Uh, I don't know how long of a trip that is, but it's it's gonna be well worth it, I think. Yeah, it's about two hours up there, and I'm gonna be on top of the press box, but it's supposed to be warm at least on Friday night. So, <laughs> and by the way, Clifton Clyde's one loss, forty to twenty at Hanover um, District. That's why they are the, I believe they're the two out of this district as well. Um, so n- no shame in that loss. So this that'll be a fantastic game. Here coming up Friday night, that's, of course, in Clyde, Kansas. Uh, the other stream game that we have for you on Ad Astra this week, boy, talk about a great matchup. Number nine ranked, eight and one, Wichita Collegiate. They're going to travel to nine and oh, number three, Cheney. Wichita Collegiate just blasted Pratt 50 to nothing. Boy, we, we, we can take a little less eating crow on this one, Brad. We thought this could be close and it was more than close, Brad. Halstead had a real chance to win this game against Cheney, 40 to 34. They had the lead in that game late and Cheney got a late touchdown to go ahead and basically survive Halstead. And you say that, you know, four and four Halstead team, you know, well, you should have, you know, Cheney should have blown them out, but we know what Lake and Farmers capable of and and i think this actually can be a very good thing in the long run for cheney i think maybe possibly they overlooked halstead a little bit sometimes you survive a game like that it's a wake-up call you're even more focused which obviously they'll have to be if they want to advance over and beat wichita collegiate yeah sometimes sometimes getting that first early play that first round playoff game and and it's a struggle can it can actually be a very good thing for you 
Um, I mentioned this on our uh, what we recorded for the radio also, and that last time Hutchinson won a state championship was 2011. Their closest game was a first round against Hayes, 27 to 21. They went on and, and beat Capen 42-14. They beat Bishop Carroll by eight, and then they beat Blue Valley by 12 for the title. So uh, sometimes you get the you kind of get that jittery first round matchup. And, and let's face it, Halstead, even though they may not have the most glamorous record in the world, was a good team. Uh, he just played a very difficult schedule. Having said that, I think Collegiate, this is just going to be a tough matchup, I think. Collegiate, their only loss on the season, obviously, to Andale. Uh, both teams like to fling the ball around. This could be a three-hour football game uh, on Friday <laughs> night. So, we could, we could see a lot of passing. And, of course, you know, we, we, and the good thing about that is, you know, if someone falls behind by 14, 17 points, it's not going to be the end of the world because both teams have the ability to light it up pretty quickly. So, I'd probably give a slight edge in this one to Collegiate. And I think I go oppo on this. I think I, I really like what I have seen Harrison both and Cheney, that offense and, and the skill players they have are, are fantastic. You know, we talked about how good that Haven Trinity Hillsborough district was. Well, how about Wichita Collegiate's district as Andale, <laughs> Wichita Collegiate and Clearwater all advance. Um, and I think I, I think I had that one as well. We Clearwater won maybe one of the most impressive wins yeah. This last week, they went out to Holcomb and won handily yeah. over Holcomb. And, of course, for their troubles, they get Andale again this week. But, <laughs> um, you know, they played Andale tough the first time around. I'm certainly not predicting Clearwater to upset Andale this week. But Clearwater was impressive beating a, just a one-loss Holcomb team on the road. I, I think they'll give Andale a tussle. Yeah, I tell you what, uh, Clearwater really impressed me this weekend. That, that, I thought that was going to be a tough trip for them playing a good Holcomb team that has recently won a state title. Uh, boy, I tell you what, that that was one of the more impressive wins. It said 31-15, to 15, but it wasn't nearly that close. Uh, Clearwater had that game well in hand uh, early in the second half. And, yeah, they, they gave Andale a decent game. Uh, I just don't really see anybody in, in this classification beating Andale, at least not at this point. I mean, I, you know, we could always see something different come, uh, you know, down the road, but I just don't see anybody uh, beating Andale, at least uh, – on the Western half of the bracket before we get to the state championship game. Yeah, I, I agree. I'll, I'll be curious to see if Clearwater can, can keep this thing close into the second half. Uh, a couple other area games. Uh, number one, Canton Galva, they're nine and zero. they're hosting Burlingame. Who's seven and two. I had the Canton Galva Valley falls game 46 to nothing. That was over at halftime. Burlingame 44, 26 over Lincoln, but, I know Burlingame seven and two. They had a, that's a nice win at home over Lincoln, but well, I tell you, Canton Galva uh, had had a bit of a slow start. You know, they won forty six nothing and a half, but they they got stopped on downs their first game. Valley Falls got a couple of first downs, um, and then surprisingly, Valley Falls changed quarterbacks after that first series. Went more to just direct snap to a running back, and that was why they went the rest of the game, and then the the quarterback was standing on the sideline for the, I, I, for the only thing I can figure out is he must've said something to the coach. The coach didn't like, and he benched him. <laughs> um, it wasn't going to matter, but he, he had the ability to throw the ball a little bit better. But after that point, Canton Galva just did what they did. They just, they just rolled over Valley falls. And I, I see them beating Burlingame handy handily. Yeah. And Burlingame's actually ha- been one of the stronger eight man teams in the last five or six years or so that I mean, they just, really have had some very, very good teams. Uh, I don't think they've won a state championship in that time. And their losses this year, though, 
to Madison and the Clifton Clyde. So, so two pretty good losses for them. But, you know, Kenton Galvin was just on a, on a different level than almost everybody in this division. And this is a game where I think maybe rarely will we, we might see the game get past halftime, but maybe not much, but it won't go much further than that. Kenton Galvin's going to roll to another victory. And speaking of rolling, we move into class one, a seven and two, number six ranked Inman. They're going to have a rematch of an October 16th game that I had on Ad Astra against the Remington Broncos, who are four and five. Inman beat a winless Stanton County team 61 to nothing. And Remington over Sacred Heart 56-16. And the Remington score against Inman back on the 16th, Brad, was 54-13, to and it was not that close. Uh, from the word go, we thought it might be a trap game for Inman that week with Smith Center looming the next week. And they just absolutely beat Whitewater Remington every way you could. Offense, defense, special teams. Inman, maybe they're one. Kryptonite is they're not very big. A big physical team like Smith Center, can give them trouble. Um, but their skill players are as good as anybody's in Class 1A. They've got a lot of speed on that offensive side of the ball. And the, and that translates to rallying to the football on defense. I think, again, that it might not be 54-13, to 13, but I don't see any way that Remington can keep this one close. No, I agree, Scott. I think that, you know, Inman's a, just a few plays away from being undefeated right now. They lose by six to Trinity to open the season, Hutch Trinity. Then lose by seven to, you know, Smith Center, which we all know how good Smith Center is. And they just, I mean, you look at the points that they put up in every game this year. Even the games that they lost, they scored 20 and 22. You know, they scored 61 against Stanton County, 54 against Remington, and, you know, 67 against Ellenwood. I mean, it's just a team that can score and light, you, light, light up the scoreboard in so many different ways. And, and, and more important, I think, than that is Inman is also a, a, a tested playoff team. You know, they played three playoff games last year, so yeah. they're no longer in uncharted waters. I mean, this is no longer a nice little story. Oh, look at Edmund, you know, the team that never really has any success in football making it to the quarterfinals. No, they're, they, they're, they're now the team that, you know, is expected to win some playoff games. And I tell you what, if they can win this one, they would have a, a potential matchup with Conway Springs coming up next week. And, boy, Ooh. that would be just a, a, a remarkable quarterfinal matchup. Yeah, sign me up for that one. That would be a fantastic matchup in the – uh, quarterfinals next week. So that's kind of our look at the high school game. Actually, let's uh, go ahead and turn. I know you want to talk a little hutch high here before we move to college football. And boy, we both hit it right on the head that pesky Newton Railers um, for the second time this year. This one was actually closer than the regular season matchup. Um, let me, I'm trying to pull up the score here real quick, Brad. Just give me a second here. Uh, 46 to 41 Hutch knocked off Newton to set up a blue blood matchup against Bishop Carroll this week. But again, Hutch has proven time and time again this year when they get in a close game with the exception of the Andover game, they're going to come out on top and they, they found another way to get it done against the, a Newton team, which may be the best two and seven team that's no longer playing this year. Five of Hutchinson's eight wins this year have been by one possession, <laughs> and that's just remarkable. And 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 you look at a couple of the other wins. They beat Campus by fourteen, and they beat Newton by twelve. A game that was uh, you know a one possession game almost the entire way, uh, one way or the other. Uh, Alex McEwen just, or Alex McEwen just had another huge game for for Hutchinson. Just maybe the best running back in Class Five A, and of course they got Miles Thompson, a, a reliable quarterback back there. 
And I know that Bishop Carroll is, you know, they're, they're, they're a typical Bishop Carroll team. They're 6-2 and two this year. Their losses have been to Derby and Lawrence. And, of course, <laughs> Lawrence, widely regarded as probably the best team in Kansas this year. And that was only a 37-28 game. But here's what I'll say about Hutchinson. There's been a couple times this year where I think people have looked at their matchup and said they don't have a chance. May South was the first one. You know, after Hutchinson kind of struggled to beat Valley Center, kind of struggled to beat Garden City, then they go out and they beat May South. And the other one was Mays. You know, Mays was undefeated. They had just beaten Derby. You know, I don't think many people gave Hutchinson much of a chance in that game. And they go out and they beat Mays 32-28 to and win the conference. So I think a lot of people will, look at, people will look at this game and say, oh, Hutch has had all these close games. You know, Bishop Carroll's just on a different level. Maybe. But I also think that Hutchinson just – I think they enjoy that underdog mentality <laughs> that they had against Mays South, that they had against Mays. You know, they're saying, hey, you want to count out the Hutchinson Saltox? That's fine with us. I, I don't want to – I'd hate to say it. You know, I think Carroll's probably going to win this one. But I tell you, I think this is going to be a really close game. Do you think people are saying the same thing this week, what Hutch has proved time and time again? Do, they, do most people think Bishop Carroll is going to win this game, especially being in Hutchison? I would think that a lot of people will probably look at what Bishop Carroll has played this year, you know, a great schedule beating the likes of Junction City and Capon. And I mean, they beat Bishop Miege by 21. They beat St. Thomas Aquinas also. So they've, they're, they're well-tested, and they've got some quality wins. One minor concern about Bishop Carroll is they didn't play last week. Valley Center had to forfeit their game due to COVID. So yes. they haven't played in a couple of weeks, and that might be a little of an opportunity for Hutchinson to come out of the gates pretty strong and see if they can maybe get Carroll in an early you know, 7- or 14-point hole. Again, that'll be game played in Hutchinson. Uh, this Friday night. Well, as we move into Saturday, well, Brad, we were planning on talking about how Sterling Warriors fared against Southwestern, but about three o'clock on Friday, that game was postponed due to COVID concerns, which will also eliminate this Saturday's matchup, which was already a postponed game from earlier in the year to travel (laughs) to Ottawa. So again, no Warrior football. And until uh, about two o'clock today, because next week originally the fourteenth was also a week which was flexed off of their normal schedule. Their opponent has to play a makeup game. They were looking at being off for a month before playing at Avila on the twenty-first. But I did get word today that they have been able, at least as of right now, to reschedule the Southwestern game for November 14th so at least it'll still be three weeks off but I'm certainly glad to see that they were able to get a game slipped in there because I I don't know what you do it's almost like starting over again if you take a month off between games in the middle of the season so um, at least it's good news that it looks like they'll be able to play the 14th and the 21st and then we'll see if they play any more this fall or not. Boy, it's it's got to be tough if you're if you're a Sterling College football player right now. I mean, there's been a lot of shuffling, a lot of postponements, and some heartbreak in there too, you know. And boy, I I just I just be curious how everybody's holding up over there, you know, mentally right now. It, it can't be easy right now, be, being a Sterling College football player, you know, with so many different scheduling quirks. And we knew that this was possible. We knew that that there was going to be all kinds of the possibility for a wild schedule. For, for pretty much anybody, whether you're middle school, high school, you know, college, whatever. But it seems like it's really hit Sterling as, as hard as anybody. Yeah, they also, a couple of players opted out during this time as well. And they, one was a key player 
that um, I, I just found out um, when I was meeting with the coaching staff Friday when I, we were still expecting a game on Saturday. So just just keeping the team together and the head above water right now is is kind of a a struggle for an 0-4 football team again when they do play Southwestern, which is very interesting because Southwestern this weekend plays Bethel. And those are the two undefeateds right now. Um, most likely, I mean, highly likely, the winner of that game is winning the whole shooting match. So I'll be very curious, you know, if Southwestern would lose that game, do they have the hangover against Sterling? Or even if they win that game, are they looking at, you know, we got an easy game. Um, before we try to finish the crunch and try to win the conference. So I'll be interested to see how that game comes out and if that will affect the Sterling game one way or the other. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just – how, how does this team handle it, Scott? I mean, how, how do they – I mean, you're around them all the time. How do they seem to be handling it? Um. You know, they're just pretty frustrated is, is the best word sure. I can come up with. I mean, you know, they were, they were, you know, how long do they have to sit there and think about that? Right. 21, the sixth lead they had that slipped away against Bethany now in their last game, allowing 20 unanswered a game, which they um, should have won. I actually did get to watch the tape of that controversial next to last play that uh, Bethany ran. Um, with the clock run and the quarterback drop back, um, looked like he was sacked. The ball came out. They called it an incomplete pass that there was a receiver in the area. It wasn't intentional grounding. The player, by the tape I watched, the quarterback was actually down before he attempted to throw the football. So, you know, the clock should have continued to run. They should have been 15 yards back. I mean, that, that it was a bang-bang. You can't, you know, you got to defend the next play and stop them. Um, but to even to see that makes it even more frustrating <laughs> to have to wait now three weeks before you get to play again. So uh, the coaching staff now, of course, they're in uh, quarantine, which makes it even, I mean, frustrating. That just doubles the frustration level uh, now that you can't, you know, practice for a while. So the coaching staff, they had enough challenges already, but then to have that thrown in there at, at, at this time of year and, and with this challenge is, I don't know. I'll be, I'll be interested <laughs> to see what they can put out there against Southwestern because it'll be, it's going to be extremely interesting to, to say yeah, the least. Yeah. At, at the very least though, that they will get a chance to play again. And you know, that's better than the alternative. Yeah. That the, they're going to be on the field. Uh, uh, hopefully coming up on November 14th back on HKFM at 1:30. Well, 94, seven, uh, the crimson and blue at one o'clock. I believe this is a two 30 kickoff, Brad. Owen six KU going to travel to four and two Oklahoma. Maybe a little bit of light at the end of that dark, dark tunnel. That is Jayhawk football. <laughs> It doesn't, you know, when you say they lost by 30 to a ranked Iowa State team, 52 to 22, and they're playing an Oklahoma team that went on the road and just whacked Texas Tech 62 to 28. You wonder if I'm, I've lost my marbles saying maybe a little bit of a glimmer of hope, but I didn't get to see any of this game. I watched a little bit of the, uh, of the highlights, looked into the stats a little bit. Jalen Daniels 
at his best game as a collegiate, 16 of 29, 166 yards, did throw one interception. Um, they still couldn't run the football or stop Iowa State, but you felt like at least you saw better effort. They didn't didn't have quite as many penalties, miscues as you've been seeing all year, and maybe maybe a glimmer of hope that this team is getting better. Yeah, I, defensively they're not bad, and it, it, it seems funny to say that after, after giving it 52 points, but it was a 38 to 22 game with about six minutes left, so they 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 weren't out of it they weren't in it but they weren't out of it either and, and I do think there's a little bit of progress there you know it's 20 to 7 game at, at the half but you know the offense has got to be able to put up more than what they've been putting up I mean they put up just 240 yards of offense and 15 first downs and while the defense gave up 552 yards I mean when you're out there that much yeah against anybody you know it's just you're, you're going to wear down and that's 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 what happened late I think to the Jayhawks you know they they hung in there defensively they hung in there but I tell you what one of the one of the highlights for me, though, Kenny Logan's 100-yard kickoff return. I mean, that was that was just epic. I mean, he he put the kicker on roller skates when he got to <laughs> when he got to midfield. I mean, I know it's the kicker and all that, but he made him he made the kicker look really bad there. But they, but you're right. I think that there was maybe a couple glimmers there where you're thinking, okay, maybe I see a little something here. But when you're going down to play Oklahoma and Norman nationally televised on ESPN, I I, I just can't see this one being competitive. I, I can't either. I, I, I just can't see a win on that schedule uh, for this team. I'm, I'm, I'm like you. I'm holding out hope that that one game, they always seem, even when they have a really bad team, they seem to put out that one game. I, I, I hope we get to see it this year. Let me, let me put it that way. And before we leave the <laughs> college ranks, what do you think about Clemson without Trevor Lawrence against Notre Dame this weekend? Do you think they win that, or do we see Clemson – fall from the ranks of the unbeaten it'll be interesting uh notre dame is just uh boy they they just uh it, it, i think college football is better when notre dame is is an elite team it just seems there there i think there's three programs actually that i think college football is better product overall when the team is better notre dame miami and nebraska and right now notre dame is is about the only one of those three that's consistently good right now and th- th- this should be a pretty good game i think and i it if Notre Dame is going to show themselves as a national championship contender, don't they have to win this game? Absolutely. I, I, if they if they don't win this game, then everything I say, well, you, you play Clemson without Trevor Lawrence, right. and still couldn't beat him. I mean, there's there's right. I think there's no chance they make the uh, the college football playoff losing this game without Trevor Lawrence. And you know, they Clemson had to have a big comeback just to win um, against Boston College this last week. And again, maybe that was. Maybe that was a big wake up for them. Hey, we can win. We can come from behind um, without our star quarterback. But against Notre Dame, we can't fall behind like we did against Boston College and expect to win. Yeah, they they're gonna. Yeah, they they can't fall. They fall behind, and I think uh, without Trevor Lawrence, it kind of puts a pressure maybe a little bit more on Notre Dame. But if Notre Dame wants to show themselves as a national championship contender, a bona fide college playoff football, a a college football playoff team, I think this is almost a must win for them. It is, and you mentioned Nebraska. You're not going to get a tear from from this eye on their (laughs) their struggles in the Big Ten after they abandon the big 12. So I, I got a couple of friends, big Nebraska fans. I've been, uh, I've been ribbing them here for the last couple of years and, and 
rather enjoying it, I will add. So uh, <laughs> that's our college football look as we move into the Sunday matchup, finding the Kansas City Chiefs. Hard to believe this will be their ninth game. We're past the halfway point of the NFL regular season. Chiefs are going to host the Panthers. The Chiefs 35-9 victory over the winless Jets on Sunday. Um, Panthers lost 25-17 at Atlanta. Boy, the Chiefs, you never know what you're getting out of this bunch, Brad. You look at the stats, Mahomes just goes crazy. 31 out of 42, 416 yards, five passing touchdowns, just does what Patrick Mahomes does. 50 rushing yards on 20 carries. You know, they, they ran all over Buffalo. Can't run against the Jets. And, of course, the Chiefs are kind of morphing into whatever they need to become. Okay, you're going to load the box. We're going to kill you down the field. And Mahomes does. The team, we're not going to blitz. We're going to just rush four. We're going to drop into coverage. Okay, we're going to run the ball, which you saw against Buffalo. So, some people, and I do see it, it's a little, still of a little concern to me that they only rushed for 50 yards against the Jets, but also they took advantage of the Jets for selling out to stop the run. They had 10 different receivers with a catch in this game, so um, completely happy with the win, no, but I, I still think that the Chiefs can just do whatever they need to do from week to week to win a football game. Yeah, that's a great point, Scott, is that the 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 Chiefs are just kind of figuring it out that they, they, they can beat you in a multitude of ways and and that what they showed on Sunday and, and first of all I mean my goodness the Jets are awful I mean what, what a <laughs> what a horrific football team they, you know the, the rush defense at least came to play a little bit but when you and they they did score nine points but when you look at their field goals 39 55 and 48 so they weren't exactly red zone opportunities and they just had to settle for three no they they got kind of lucky that their kicker was on fire on Sunday but, uh, yeah, I mean, and he's just flinging the ball everywhere. They're scoring on those – I like those little jet sweeps that they do where Mahomes kind of tosses the ball forward, which goes down as a pass. pass. And, uh, boy, I, I, they, it, was, it was an entertaining win. They scored uh, some great touchdowns. Carolina at 3-5, and five, I don't think this is uh, necessarily a scary game for the Chiefs. It's a game that they probably should win. But here's the thing with the Chiefs right now, and, and I, don't get, I, I don't make it sound too dire because they weren't the number one seed in the AFC last year when they won the Super Bowl. But boy, Pittsburgh right now, I'm 14 and two may not get you home field advantage. Yeah, and Pittsburgh, boy, uh, I watched the last part of that game against Baltimore. Boy, two weeks in a row, you sure feel like the Steelers, the Titans game and that game, they could certainly have two losses. But in, in the end, they don't. Again, they're finding ways to win games. And boy, you're right. They do, they do look very good right now and what do you think about this talk i just saw it um, pop up on monday on some of the sports um, headlines that the nfl is mulling for this season an 16 team playoff eight teams from each conference get in no buys for anybody in case teams start losing games because of covid because they're running out of these bye weeks to do the makeups yep. like they already have. What what would you think about an eight team playoff where you would everybody would have to win three games to get to the Super Bowl? I don't know how I feel about that. Um, 
I, the, you know, these leagues get experimental sometimes, which isn't a bad thing. I, you know, I look at the baseball wild card. I was kind of roundly criticized at first, Scott, and I think the, the wild card is a great thing. But now I've heard that Major League Baseball is contemplating a neutral site World Series. No, what, what, what are we doing here? <laughs> why, why would you even contemplate that? So, but it, there, it is without, or it's not without precedent. The, during the strike season of 1982, where I think everyone played nine games, there was an expanded playoff. There were uh, 18, eight teams from every conference made the playoff. So it, it, it has happened before. I just would like to see more of a reward for teams that go out and, you know, have a 14 and two or maybe a 13 and two if they if they lose a game due to covid i i just i don't want to see reward you know reward a team rewarded for going you know six and nine or seven and seven and nine or something like that and you know we could already see an nfc east champion go six nine and one or something like that i just i don't want to see a team rewarded like that and i i don't know i I there i might feel different about this in a month when we get closer to the playoffs but right now, I, I'm not even a fan of the seven teams in the playoffs, to be honest with you. I wasn't either when they took away that second bye. Um, I have always been a huge proponent of this. And, and I'll use the, the comparison of college basketball. I want the regular season to mean way more than three or four days of a tournament. Mean. Right. I, I hate for these. Now, it. It's a double-edged sword for me. I, I look at these smaller conferences, you know, the SWAC and some of these um, smaller Division One conferences, you know, that um, will have their championship games on ESPN. The fact that everybody is still alive at that time of year brings out the best games you may ever see all season long, and the broadcaster in me loves those games. But on the other hand, knowing that those conferences only get one team in, I would always like to see it be their best team all season long, their regular season champion, gets into the tournament instead of a team that might have been middle of the pack, gets hot on three days and wins it and gets in. So it's a double-edged sword for me because the broadcaster in me loves the tournament basketball because it is that lose or go home or win or go home mentality but i'm like you i'd like to see the regular season rewarded as much as possible and this is the sour grapes from a couple of chiefs fans here scott we've seen our team be the number one seed several times and oh. it doesn't matter so it's, it's not that we think that the chiefs are somehow going to get screwed by playing an extra playoff game that we've, we've been on the other side of it more than than not so it's it's not that i just i i just think that yeah, you're right. I want the regular season to mean something, you know, and, you know, if, if, if you're and here's something else to consider is, you know, when you got the number one seed and number two seed and, you know, you're jockeying for position. And then, of course, they reseed the teams after that, after the first round. But if you're getting down to the last game of the season and you're looking at the number one seed and let's say that your potential first round playoff game, let's say it's the Chiefs is against the Raiders who maybe swept you during the season. Mm-hmm. Do you really want to see the Raiders again? And if you lose that game, maybe you drop to the two seed, but now you're playing the number seven seed, uh, the Buffalo Bills, who you've already clobbered this year, or the Cleveland Browns, who you think you match up really well against. So I don't know. I just think that when you've got those buys in there, there's a lot more to play for. And of course, then you got the reseeding. I guess it'd be okay with seven because you still have the buy. But I think once you start talking about eight, I just don't think I like that. Yeah, I know. I'd have to give it some more thought. I just thought it was interesting to 
to to see that proposal already being being thrown out there, which again to the basketball reference is why I've always liked the way the KCAC does for their automatic qualifiers. It has always been the regular season champion and tournament champion. So you knew if you won that regular season title going into the tournament, you were going to nationals, even if you didn't come out as the tournament champion. So I, I have always liked that aspect of the KCAC. Yeah, and I, I and, and the thing is, you know, I, I like how you said about the tournaments and uh, uh, with college basketball. And once again, just to kind of prove it's not all sour grapes, you know, our uh, University of Kansas won a national championship by being a major underdog oh. uh, in 1988. So um, it, it, it there is something kind of you know, some I don't know if you, if American is the right word, but just something great about seeing the underdog kind of come from nowhere to win a championship. But at the same time, and you know that I'm a big soccer guy. They don't do stuff like that in Europe when it comes to European soccer. I mean, they, they, they crown the regular season champion, and that's the champion. There is no postseason tournament. Yeah, they got their little cup uh, tournaments and all that, too. But you're rewarded in, in, in Europe for, for, for being great over a long period of time. Yeah, it's, uh, uh, I, I think I will always feel that way, that the regular, regular season champion should um, automatically advance if there is a tournament. Well, that is uh, everything we had to um, discuss on our regular schedule here. So I guess it'll be time for our final thoughts, and then we'll give you the Ad Astra schedule one more time. So what do you, what do you got for us this week? Well, I just kind of wanted to give a shout-out to uh, my, my daughter, Josie. She's a senior at Hutchinson High School, and uh, she's got her and her club soccer teammates. Uh, she plays for the club team, Kansas Rush, Wichita. Uh, Wichita is actually hosting the biggest – club soccer tournament in kansas this weekend uh it's just simply called the state cup and wichita teams generally do not fare that well against the kansas city teams but they've got a pretty good team this year i think they got a real chance at doing something special and it's 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 her last season for playing club soccer and i would just love to see her go out with something special like a state club a state cup championship it's great to see you wichita hosting it uh scott get a little of this so i know that Kansas City's got the facilities and all that, but Wichita does now too. But get a load of this. One year, Josie, when she was U15, they had their last state cup game on a Monday night, a school night at nine o'clock. <laughs> we didn't we didn't get out of uh, Kansas City till till eleven o'clock that night. And I know that there's been some uh, I've, some rumblings from Kansas City teams saying, "Oh, why you know we have to miss half a day of school to go down there on on." on Friday and yeah, spare me the tears. And uh, we, you know, we had to go up on Monday and play a nine o'clock game one time. So, uh, but it's going to be a lot of fun. And it, it's, it's you know, a little sad for me to see, you know, essentially her last mega tournament uh, before, you know, she gets to the high school season in the spring and then college next fall. But uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. And then, you know, de- definitely wish to uh, uh, coach Dylan Grunsel and uh, my daughter, Josie and all of her teammates, the best of luck at state cup this weekend. Absolutely. As those other Sports that we don't get to talk a lot about are all in their um, in their state championships right now as well. Um, I guess my my final thought. I'm going to go to my alma mater, Brad. The Lions, Lions. What a uh, what a season or lack thereof they've had in football this year. They they only played three games until last week, which was kind of what we call the playout game. They knew that was their last game of the season. They played Leon Bluestem, and I didn't know this at the time until I was at the uh, 
Little River playoff game this last week that that turned into an eight-man game. <laughs> Lions did not – was barely going to be able to field due to injury, and I think they had some kids quit. Um, they had the, they had forfeited their previous two games, the Hillsborough and Marion, um, due to COVID concerns. Uh, so they played an eight-man game against uh, Bluestem, who was also winless – and one going away 52 to six. And I just, that says so much to me about those kids that stuck it out this season and their coaching staff to only have played three games um, due to COVID reasons and cancellations. And they had injuries. They only started with 18 kids, but the stick it out, um, their opponent agreed to play eight man. So you play something you're not even familiar with and you get a win to end the season um, you know, they broke that long losing streak last year when they beat Ellenwood. I think it was a 33-game losing streak. That says a lot to me about the tenacity and of those kids and the coaching staff to hold things together um, during a disappointing and, and frustrating season and to, and to go out on a winning note. Yeah, how about that? I was, I was, I was really happy to see those Lions kids get a, get a win like that. And Boy, it hadn't been bizarre. You know, you, you spent all year playing 11-man football, then all of a sudden you're asked to play an eight-man game. So, uh, But, hey, credit to them for making that adjustment. I mean, it's still football. They're still running and tackling and plays and all that. But, uh, you know, it's like we talked about with, with Haven a little bit this year and, and teams like the Kingmen who have traditionally struggled. Maybe, the, you know, this is kind of the genesis of, of Lions starting to turn things around. I, you know, I don't know what's going to happen in two or three years. None of us do, but – get a couple of wins, start feeling good about some things and maybe some other kids want to join in. And so who, who knows? Well, we certainly hope so. It's, it'd be, it'd be nice to see lions turn that corner and, and get back to better days in football. So again, uh, a busy week on Ad Astra Wednesday night, 95, nine, I'll have Tabor and Sterling college basketball, men's style, six forty-five pregame, seven o'clock tip off. Thursday night, Sterling women's basketball in action at 6 o'clock, taking on Barclay on the road, also on 95-9, pregame at 545. Friday night's playoff schedule, 94-7 at Central Plains at Caldwell, 95-9. Rose Hill hosting Bueller, 100.3. Haven visits Trinity. Kicks 106, Garden Plain hosting Hillsborough. And our two stream games all have Little River at Clifton Clyde. And then Wichita Collegiate is at Cheney, Saturday, KU football at Oklahoma. Uh, Crimson and blue at 1 o'clock, 2.30 kickoff on 94.7. And then the Chiefs hosting the Panthers on Sunday. So, again, join us next week where we'll take a look at the quarterfinal round in the high school playoffs. We'll look at college basketball, college football, and more. As for Brad Howie, this is Scott Hogan for View from the Press Box. God bless. Have a great evening.